0: Welcome to the Future of Consumer and Retail podcast by SAP. In this episode, we're offering event highlights from the Global Retailing Ideas Summit held at the Terry J. Lundgren Center for Retailing at the University of Arizona. Our goal is to bring you a concise summary so you can keep a pulse on the leading retail trends. Stay tuned for highlights from interviews with fashion designer Tommy Hilfiger, Target CEO Brian Cornell, Levi's CEO Chip Berg, and many more. I'm Matt Gardner, joined by my colleagues Robin Wilson, Kristen Howe, and Kara Reed, all of us part of SAP's retail advisory practice, here to share themes from the three-day event. Robin, Kristen, you got to travel this week. How was your experience out on the road?
1: Matt, I have to say I was pretty excited. I haven't been out on the road for over a year. It is really great to be in the same room with the people that you're collaborating with, and it really does bring a lot of energy. Kristen, what about you?
2: Since I'm Phoenix-based, I only had to make the couple-hour drive to Tucson. Just like you, it was great to get out and about, and that's really one of the big themes that we're hearing from the Global Retail Ideas Summit. How will people's perspectives change, and what are things really going to look like as things open up a bit more?
0: Yeah, and that's a great bridge into the first session of the day. I know Terry Lundgren held the opening keynote, and Kristen, I know you've been connected with him on the board of the Lundgren Center. What have you seen with his involvement at the school?
2: We at SAP have been sponsors of the Lundgren Center for Retail at the University of Arizona for seven or eight years now, and it's a great program. Terry Lundgren himself is very dedicated to the curriculum and to the students there. And the university does a great job of hands-on experiences designed to bring practitioners together with the students and really look at what are the big trends in retail, what are the big ideas that not only the students can take away, but also software executives, retail executives, people from all aspects of the retail industry. How can we learn from each other and really take the industry forward? Kristen, I think it's pretty exciting that you get to interact with
1: Terry on a regular basis since you're on the board with him and the insight that he must provide during those meetings about the retail industry must be priceless. For me, who was a buyer for Filene's, which was acquired by Macy's, I was so excited to meet Terry face-to-face, former CEO of Macy's. He's a legend in the retail industry and someone who ran such a large organization. It was really great to meet him.
2: and I really thought Terry's keynote this morning was interesting. He did such a great job summarizing what the past 12 months of retail looked like. For some retailers, it was the highest high. if you were deemed an essential business. But if you were deemed non-essential, Terry talked about how the number of retail bankruptcies doubled in the past 14 months. Even with the shift to digital, only one in five transactions started online compared to one in seven before the pandemic and the importance of stores and how physical experiences really could be one of the key ways that retailers grow and evolve out of the pandemic. And I thought where he ended was a great way to set the tone for the rest of the event. Is there any way to predict what consumer behavior will look like? Or do retailers need to think about how to stay nimble and be ready to pivot no matter what gets thrown their way?
0: Yeah, I agree, Kristen. There was a term he used I found fascinating, which was that consumers have a healthy personal balance sheet to where the money that's been saved, there's some expectation in the market that the spending, of course, is going to open back up. Robin, what did you see as the major themes of day one?
1: The major themes that came out throughout the sessions were sustainability, specifically e commerce and focusing on educating consumers about buying better products that will last longer, and then supply chain, which I thought was really interesting. Anybody who knows Terry Lundgren knows that he was a fabulous merchant, and he was chasing the business. Ending the year with less inventory and high sales is the key to success. Those were the three things that I saw. Kara, I know you were interested in that resale re-commerce session. What did you see?
3: I was very intrigued by the big bets that are being placed on re-commerce and the secondhand market. During that session, they said that the current market for secondhand is about $30 billion, and it's expected to double within the next four years. But actually, both Andy from Trove and Mike from Taylor Stitch think that number is low because of the younger shoppers, not buying secondhand solely for the sustainability aspect of it, but they're doing it because it makes these luxury aspirational brands available to them. And so the future consumer is all about buying fewer, better things.
0: Yeah, I was actually so inspired by that Taylor Stitch and Trove session that I just went and spent on some of the Taylor Stitch merchandise. The thing that intrigued me most in looking at the products on their site is it makes clothing an antique in the sense of here's something that has a vintage feel. There's a limited supply using fabrics that have been recycled that should last a very long time. One of the items in my cart was actually a part of their workshop, which operates quite similar to Kickstarter. Essentially, they have to hit a certain sales pre-order threshold in order for them to go through with it to ensure they have the margin they need. Kristen, I know you had some thoughts about physical stores, so just wanted to see what you heard about how things are evolving with them.
2: Carrie also mentioned that there were about 2,000 new store locations opened this year, A lot of the speakers talk about the quality of the experience over the quantity of merchandise. And we also heard this in Sarah Quinlan's session on the permanent changes seen in the retail economy. She talked a lot about the macroeconomic trends and how that physical experience has really been turned upside down because you're starting to really see consumers shift into digital. But instead of being a binary equation where it's, you know, the stores or the digital experience, the trends going with consumers will be more about hybrid experiences and the winning retailers will be the ones who can use digital experiences to really enhance
3: some of the things they're doing in physical stores. Kristen, I actually had the experience where a retailer used re-commerce as a way to get me into the physical store. So they had this campaign where if you brought old t-shirts into their stores, they would actually give you a discount on any purchases made. So Matt, I know you attended a session on technology in the store. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yes, there was a session exploring the way to adapt to the millennial workforce. They said by 2025, 75% of the in-store workforce will actually be millennials. And these are people that have grown up with a phone in their hand. So it's no longer enough to have associates without email addresses kind of floating around the stores and have any sort of culture that really ties back to the corporate environment. So there's been companies that have been pioneering technology that allows for a community to form on the devices of the individual people. So as a new store associate, you can actually download an app just to your phone, and they've made it so good that it's an 80% adoption rate. I thought it was really interesting that it has to be mobile first and that having dedicated devices and kiosks just isn't good enough anymore. Robin, I know you attended the last session with Tommy Hilfiger. What did he have to say?
1: So first, Matt, it's interesting to watch Tommy Hilfiger and Terry Lundgren together because they have a long history with one another. Macy's was the first to carry Tommy Hilfiger exclusively. They also have a very similar vision of it's all about the product. And if the product isn't right, overall, the whole business will fail. What I did think was interesting is that Tommy has some real vision for what shopping in stores will be like in the future online will grow and it'll continue to grow. However, people are excited to get back into stores and he equates the whole getting back to shopping like the roaring twenties again. The whole customer experience needs to be really good. And that really leads back to educating your sales associates and making sure that they're equipped to really interact with the customer and educate about the product and be sure that they follow through on this great customer experience that we as consumers are looking for.
0: Robin, that really leads into a session on day two, the good job strategy with Zainab Tan. She has written a book on the operational choices that need to be made to really have good jobs. She unpacked these four, and I'll just iterate through them really quick. The first is offered Less, and this is about the end product to customers. So you think of something like Trader Joe's having a smaller footprint and a very specific amount of things rather than it being overwhelming. This actually helps the employees be experts on the products that are in the store. The second thing is Standardize and Empower Employees to Lower Mistakes. And really, from having less product in store, it makes it much easier to standardize and empower people to know things about those products. The third is cross-training. She was saying to train people on the customer-facing and backstore features so that everybody can adapt and provide support as needed, depending on what the current traffic flow is in a given store. And the final was to cut some slack to the employees, to allow them to make mistakes, to grow and learn. Kara, I know the first session on day two had some interesting insights about how to empower employees as well. What did you learn in that session?
3: Yes, the former CEO of Best Buy was talking about how one of the first things that he did was spend a lot of time in the stores with the frontline store associates. He wanted their feedback to know what they needed to do their job better. And this was at the time when Best Buy was really best known for showrooming. People were coming in, looking at the products, but then going back and ordering them on Amazon to get a better price. And so they asked him to empower them to price match. And they also asked for a clear value proposition on why to buy their product at Best Buy. The perspective that he gained by being in the store far outweighed anything that he would have gathered from hearing it secondhand. He also touched on the human connection part of working and how the family of store associates need to represent the community that those stores are in.
0: Yeah, something that came up about community in the PetSmart session, and Kristen, you did an amazing job interviewing Stacia Anderson, the SVP of Merchandising and Customer Experience. She talked about quickly adapting to consumer expectations in general, and that they set up curbside pickup in a week, and within a month, they had partnered with DoorDash to get same-day delivery in place. Robin, speaking of meeting customer expectations, I know you got to interview Mindy Shire from Runway of Dreams. How was that?
1: Mindy is probably the most energetic person I've ever met. She was really a lot of fun to interview. And she talked about the journey to Runway of Dreams and her son who has a disability and how he wanted to wear jeans to school and be like everybody else. And her journey to get adaptive fashion into the marketplace. Tommy Hilfiger was the first brand that she worked with, and she had a lot of really great tips how to go about starting that type of a line and how to market what I think was most compelling, she has taken it to not only Tommy Hilfiger, but Zappos, Target, Kohl's, Nike, and Right, And she has a fashion show that happens during New York Fashion Week twice a year. And so it really is heartwarming, and it's certainly a cause that's very important.
0: Yeah, I agree, Robin. It was such a great session. It's just always great to see the two of you talk just because I know you've spent a lot of time together at Runway of Dreams. Thanks for sharing the thoughts around that. Mindy's work really ties into values at its core. And I know that the Levi's session also addressed a lot of that too with the CEO, Chip Berg. And Kara, I know you attended that one. What stood out to you in that session?
3: Chip spoke about how Levi's has a history of putting their purpose and their values at the front of their brand and Levi's living their values also extends beyond the employees where they really look at what their core customers care about. One example he gave was their secondhand apparel business. And Chip mentioned that it's not going to be a large percentage of their business for a few years now. But one of the reasons he feels so passionate about it is because it is something that their core customers believe in and want to see. It's been interesting over the three days, there's been a number of CEOs, and they all talked about investing in their people. And I really enjoyed the panel at the beginning of day three on diversity inclusion. It had folks from Target and Nike, and they really spoke to the students and young talent in general on how to navigate careers in retail.
2: Yeah, Kara, what I really liked about the day three session on diversity and inclusion is it was a great panel led by Dave Schechter from Nike. And you could tell they were really focused on giving great advice to the students from the Lundgren Center. They were very casual in their tone. It made the content very approachable. There were two things that I took away from the session. The first part was all about storytelling, really encouraging the students to think about how to tell our own stories of who we are, where we come from, thinking about that through the lens of what differences really bring in terms of talent and perspective and ultimately the customers who are served. And the second point, they gave some really practical advice on how people who are newer in their retail careers think about networking do your research up front, understand the facts and figures and the history before you get on a call because it's more impactful, focusing on outcomes as opposed to just asking questions about how did you get to this job or what has your career progression been? I thought that was great advice for the students who are approaching their first jobs or making a career transition.
0: Those are really great points, Kristen. There's been so many good sessions. And another one that I saw in the face of what's changing with advertising and tracking consumers, Apple is putting app tracking transparency in place, which allows consumers to decide whether or not they want to be tracked across applications. And that as an impetus, not just in the app universe, but also beyond it, is really starting to put the control in consumers' hands around privacy. In order for companies to continue to personalize effectively, other models are being brought forward, and one of them is this idea of a new data network, where a group of companies can be brought together that are non-competitive and share tracking across the companies, but not the customer data itself. So it allows companies to maintain their first-party data and not share that to the network but at the same time, allow the ID to track across to these other retailers. So one of the slides that the presenter showed was Dick's Sporting Goods having a network around it of Best Buy, Home Depot, Taco Bell, Kroger, Pizza Hut, and Macy's, because they all are complements to each other rather than direct competitors. And over time, that network could change and adapt. And it's just a unique way of, again, creating a wider net for personalization without it violating any direct privacy of individual consumers. The company said they were talking to quite a few retailers, and one of them was Target. And I know there was a great session with the CEO, Brian Cornell of Target. And I was just curious, Kristen or Kara, what you guys heard in that session.
2: Brian Cornell was really candid in his day three session. And in many ways, it really was the summarizing keynote for the whole global retail event. He talked about how some of their early investments in their associates, as well as in their stores, were going out on a limb in terms of the Wall Street expectations and other retail industry analysts. He was really thoughtful about how Target as a brand felt it was important to take risks. Target saw the trends with consumers changing even before the pandemic accelerated them. Already investing in buy online, pick up in store, a number of different digital initiatives they really set themselves up being able to capitalize on the shifts in consumer behavior that we
3: saw with the pandemic even years before as part of their overarching strategy. One of the things that we heard in day two with Chip Berg was how once their stores had to shut down during the pandemic and suddenly online became such a big thing, they turned their Levi stores into mini fulfillment hubs. But what Brian Cornell mentioned on day three was that they had done that long before the pandemic hit. So I completely agree with you where these investments they made years ago really set them up for success. And Brian mentioned that we're going to see events bringing people back to the stores.
0: Yeah, Kara, I think that bridges perfectly into just themes of the overall event. So maybe we can each say one thing. What's the big thing that stood out to each of us throughout these three days at the event?
3: Yeah, I think for me, as I just explained, while e-commerce is growing, the stores are back, they're critical, and they're very critical for this year and beyond.
2: For me, Matt, no one has a crystal ball when it comes to customer behavior. All throughout the sessions, many of the presenters were asked, where do you see consumer behavior going from here? And it became really clear that there is no one right or single answer to how customers are really going to respond after the pandemic.
1: For me, Matt, retailers should really be thinking about inventory control and how much they're really chasing business as opposed to overproducing. And then the one last thing I would say was exciting for me was meeting Terry Lundgren.
0: And for me, it really was highlighting the role of technology. People that had their strategies going ahead of time just had this boost to what they were up to. And anyone who didn't were able to use technology, especially in partnerships, to respond very quickly to the changes in consumer demand. So thank you so much for participating in this podcast. Really excited to see how all these things play out over the next year and appreciate the three of you sharing with our audience today.
3: Thanks, Matt. And thanks for having me. Thanks, Matt. It was great to be with you guys. Matt, as always, it's a pleasure.
0: In this podcast episode, we've unpacked insights from the Global Retailing Idea Summit with top retail experts. Though the event is over, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform to continue getting the latest retail insights and visit us at sap.com retail. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to sharing again with you in the future.